The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast as a part of ArrowheadAddict.com and the Fansided Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And there's no Grant Tuttle with me today. He's usually here, but again, he's a busy man and he had some personal things come up, so he'll miss this week's show as well. Football's back, and the Chiefs reported to training camp last week, and you can you can feel it as tonight the Hall of Fame game kicks off to give you a time period of when this episode's recorded. Uh, I believe it's Falcons-Broncos, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but tonight the Hall of Fame game kicks off. I'll probably watch that for a couple series, as everyone does. Uh, not a lot of interesting names in that battle, uh, you know, on the lower fringe roster that's really what you watch for in preseason. Uh, but the Chiefs kick off their preseason games next week uh, against the Bron- against the uh, Bengals, and we will have you covered for that as well before next Saturday, whenever those two teams square off. We'll have a huge roster breakdown next week, talking about what to watch for in preseason, some positional battles, how to watch preseason games, because it's a little bit different uh, if you've never sat down and tried to watch the preseason, if you've always kind of just jumped in on week one uh, and you want to start watching it this year, there's a little bit of a difference in watching football between preseason and and the regular season. I know that this year is the most anticipated Chiefs season I can ever remember. Uh, So I know a lot of people are going to want to watch as soon as possible, which is next Saturday. And, you know, preseason just has a different feel to it. And obviously the games don't matter, but it's a little bit more than that on what to watch for. Uh, and what not to overreact to, and what to uh, react to, because sometimes you know bad plays happen that aren't necessarily bad. Good plays happen that just kind of are indifferent. Uh, but we'll get into all of that next week ahead of the first preseason game. For this week, we're going to talk about training camp. Obviously, it's going to be focused heavily on the Chiefs, but also at the end, we're going to get into some more uh, broad scale NFL content. But the Chiefs reported last week. And they've had a ton of news break just in the last couple uh, days here for the Chiefs since they've started practicing. The first being that Chris Jones reported to practice on the first day. And if you listen to last week's show, I, I recorded it before the team reported, before practice begun, and Chris Jones was set to hold out. And I said, I don't think he's going to show up until the 6th of August. I think he's going to hold out to the last day possible. He'll show up and then... The Chiefs and him will go from there. He didn't actually hold out at all. He showed up on the first day. Now, he held out from the OTAs, which are, again, optional. He held out from minicamp, which is not optional. I don't think that he'll be fine for either of those occurrence, although technically I believe the Chiefs are allowed to find him if they so choose. But really, the only holding out Chris Jones did were those two short minicamps and OTAs. Now, obviously, any time you can you know, get on the field, especially when you have a new defensive coordinator, uh, it would be appreciated. It would be um, 
valuable time on the field, but it's Chris Jones. I mean, he's an elite player. Uh, he's smart. I, I don't think that he will, you know, be on a on a disadvantage on the learning curve of this new uh, defense. So it's good to have him in camp. I, I really did not expect him this early, especially not on the first day. Uh, he's look. He looks very, very trim. I mean, he looks skinny and and, and really skinny actually. So he looks good physically. Uh, obviously, defensive linemen. Not a lot of film on them uh, on Twitter from practice. Um, you know, you re- really the beat reporters record quarterbacks, wide receivers, cornerbacks, uh, things of that nature. But by all accounts, he's looked pretty good. Uh, Frank Clark has stolen the show on that defensive line, and we'll get into that next week. But I, that defensive line is going to be fun to watch. Uh, but that's the biggest news out of camp is that Chris Jones didn't hold out. And the contract front does not seem to be heading in the right direction. Apparently, Chris Jones wants Frank Clark money, and even a little bit more than that maybe. And the Chiefs don't think that he's worth that just yet. I think by the end of this year, the Chiefs will come around because I think Chris Jones is elite. I think Chris Jones is Frank Clark. Actually, I think he's better than Frank Clark, in my opinion. I know that some people might not share that opinion. I think Chris Jones is elite, and the Chiefs just want to see him be consistent. So if he goes out and has a, a year like he did last year, or even tops it with him now being in a, a better defensive system and a, and a more more physically ready to play, again, he looks tremendous uh, in camp so far. I think that he'll get that money, no problem. Another guy who is in line for new contract is Eric Hill. And his agent was seen at camp uh, yesterday or two days ago, sometime this week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. He was seen at camp, and that kind of led the rumor mill to spin and, and think that the two sides were working towards a deal. Nothing has been announced as of yet, but Tyreek Hill did go down with a bruised quad. It's not that big of a deal. I really don't think so. Uh, it's a wide receiver. It's a speedy wide receiver. So obviously you want to take precautions. He's really all you can do is just rest with a bruised quad and Terry Kill again is a veteran is an elite player he has worked with Patrick Mahomes all offseason and obviously all of last season the two don't really need timing and chemistry anymore they've kind of figured that all out Uh, so this is this is not a big deal to me I don't think that we'll see him Saturday of course you know next Saturday against the the Bengals I don't think that we'll probably see him practice at all next week uh, but maybe uh, he can get out there and do a little bit of light work. Uh, he got hit going on a out route, it looked like, but it could have been over the middle. Again, the the, the footage out of practice is not the best. Uh, the, the the particular video of this incident was filmed like 50 yards out of the play, so you can't really tell what was happening. All you see is Rashad Breland coming around and just cleaning Tyreek Hill's clock, and it caused him to have a bruised quad. He got carted off, technically. That was the headline you might have seen, and if you didn't look too far into it, he wasn't really carted off. They, they let him ride in the in the passenger seat. And if you know about injuries in football, that's that's not a big deal. That's just a guy not wanting to walk to the locker room. The real trouble in carting off comes if you're riding in the bed of the of the cart. But if you're riding in the passenger seat, it's just a courtesy ride. He's fine, obviously with a bruised quad. Again, just rest, and that's that. So those are the two biggest storylines out of Chiefs camp. Because those are two very impactful players. Again, Chris Jones, no big deal. He's going to catch up on this defense easily. Uh, For a defensive lineman especially, you kind of only need to know your stunts 
and which gap you're going to try to shoot. You don't really need to understand coverages. Again, this is not Bob Sutton. Chris Jones is not dropping back in coverage. I, I will almost assure you that we will never see Chris Jones back up in coverage. I'm willing to bet that throughout this 16-game season and however long they last in the playoffs, that Chris Jones will not be covering anybody downfield, or I guess for him upfield. Anyway, so I don't really think that he's going to have to have that much of a learning curve. He's just going to you know, get in shape, refine his passing moves, and go from there. So missing OTAs in minicamp is not a big deal to me, and obviously he's going to be here for the duration of training camp because he reported on the first day. So that front is good. Tyreek Hill, Bruce Quad. Not ideal, because you'd obviously like to have him 100% healthy, and and technically this could linger. This could linger into the season. So it's not nothing-nothing, but as long as it heals properly, it's no big deal. It's not like you're implementing a new system on offense or a new quarterback. So you don't really need him out there in practice. You don't really need the repetitions, and we, we already know what Tyreek Hill is. So now there's like... A lot of of interesting storylines if you just like to follow the ins and outs of the Chiefs. Which, if you're listening to a Chiefs podcast, I think that you do. So we'll talk about the kind of nerdier stuff that maybe not a lot of general Chiefs fans care about. The first being Traymond Smith. Uh, you remember him last year from being a kick returner and a very good one, in fact. Um, Pro Football Focus rated him as the best kick returner a year ago. He was, he was incredible at it. He's a special teams ace. Uh, will he remain on, on special teams this year? We'll see. He's moved from cornerback to running back. And there's two different sides to this. If you look on Chiefs Twitter, once this move came, came out. One's, the one thing that's universal is that this is an interesting move. Anytime you give Andy Reid a guy with that much speed, the speed of Traymond Smith, it's interesting. Because Andy Reid has proven that he can utilize speed. That's why Tyreek Hill is so electric in that offense. That's why whenever they drafted Michael Hardman, people got excited. Whereas I don't think that a lot of people would be excited if he was in any other system. They'd say, nice little player. They wouldn't be this excited. If anyone can figure out how to use Tremont Smith on offense, it's Andy Reid. That's where the two sides differ, though. Everyone agrees it's interesting, but here's where it breaks off. Some people think that, okay, it's Andy Reid, so this guy's going to be a, a difference maker on offense. Not a big difference maker, but he's going to have a wrinkle. He's going to have something. He'll be on the team. He'll be an X factor. He'll be a secret weapon. Whatever you want to brand it as, he'll have something in this offense. Other people believe that this is a courtesy to Traymond Smith. It's going to be interesting to watch for three weeks in the preseason, four weeks in the preseason. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun even, but this is a courtesy to him because he cannot play cornerback in this league, but he has the speed. And if he can have the the ball control and if he can have the agility out of the backfield, he can be a, a decent change of pace running back in this league. So the chiefs are being courteous to him before they cut him to let him play running back this preseason, show off his skill set, and maybe catch on with another, with another team in the practice squad or, you know, even just in someone's backfield due to injuries or what have you. Those two ideas are are neither right or wrong. We don't know yet. Because you can see both sides of it. If you take a step back from whatever you believe, personally, I think it's more so the fact that it's a courtesy move to him 
a, hey, you're not going to make it at cornerback for us or really anyone, so let's move you to running back and see if we can we can spark your career, whether it be in Kansas City or elsewhere, because it's not going to be at corner. And if the Chiefs tell you that you can't play corner, you really can't play corner because this this cornerback group is awful, and it's been awful. They desperately need cornerbacks. So that is a courtesy to move him and not have him just sit there for four weeks, fail at cornerback, and then possibly cut him. I think you can see that he'll make the team if you value special teams, which which Kansas City does. I mean, they've been consistently one of the best special teams in the NFL. Are they going to keep him around, though, just for the kick returning? Because I I don't think as much as we love Andy Reid, as much as we love that offense and we love his creativity, I don't think they can utilize him on that offense. Maybe one play every two weeks or so. We're one play where you really see it. You really see, wow, Traymond Smith. Instead of just, oh, okay, well, he was in the game, but he didn't do anything. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, that speed is electric. There's no doubt about that. He's a great kick returner, so he's proven that he can you know, dance with the, with the football a little bit. I don't think, though, with this offense, with the weapons you have, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, I don't think with those guys you have, Mikul Hardman, Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't think there's enough to go around to, to use Traymond Smith enough if there becomes a numbers crunch on that roster. I think he's going to be a casualty eventually. That's just what I'm predicting right now. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Andy Reid knows how to use these guys. I just don't see it. I mean... If you look at that running back room right now, you have Damian Williams, you have Carlos Hyde, and you have Darwin Thompson, a guy you've just been a draft pick on. Literally just a couple months ago. Those are three running backs who are better than Traymond Smith. If you look at the receiving room, you have Terry Kill, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman. Whatever you think about Robinson, he's still a very valuable target, a consistent target, a, a quality target. Michael Hardman, unknown, but you traded up for him in the second round. So he's going to get looks. And then, of course, Travis Kelsey. That's a lot of mouse to feed to be throwing in Traymond Smith just because he's fast. But if he can provide you something that, that Tyreek Hill did his first year, then go for it. Because... Everyone thought that Tyreek Hill would be a gadget player. That he wouldn't develop into anything. Now, he's an elite wide receiver. Elite. In fact, if you look at his all-around game, I'd say he's the best wide receiver. Because of the fact that he can return punts at an elite level where teams are shaking whenever they punt him the football. When crowds are chanting his name when they punt him the football. So if you look at his total package, I think he's one of the best targets in football. One of the best playmakers in football. Tremont Smith could be what people thought Terry Kill would be whenever he entered the league. A gadget player. Couple plays here, couple plays there each game where he just kind of pops. You kind of forget about him because you're so worried about Terry Kill. So when Watkins, Travis Kelsey, you forget about Tremont Smith. I mean, Tyreek Hill has lined up in the backfield before. 
or come came in motion and and was in the backfield that way. There's a lot of different ways you can get Tremont Smith the ball without him having to actually beat somebody, or without him having to find the hole, you know, so to say, in a, in a typical sense. Obviously, anytime he gets the ball, he's got to try to find the hole in the backfield. But it could go both ways, and that's what's so difficult about this conversation is because we just don't know yet. So there's no right or wrong answer. If you think that this is a silly conversation, if you think this is a silly move that he's going to be cut, you know, in a couple weeks, you could be right. And, and, and you're not an idiot for thinking that. If you think, hey, I believe in Andy Reid, I believe in his offensive mind, I believe in this scheme, that if they think that Tremont Smith can, can make something happen on offense, he can. That's fine too, because they have a track record of doing this stuff, of, of thinking outside the box. I just think that this particular year, there's too many weapons. Darwin Thompson is going to be a quality player here, like that, that provides you that pop here and there. Whenever Carlos Hyde is, is you know, fatigued, maybe banged up that week. Damian Williams is fatigued, maybe banged up that week. They have three who I think are quality running backs already. Do you want a fourth? Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe him being a valuable fourth running back and a elite kick returner, because obviously Pro Football Focus has him as the, as the best last year, which can set up this offense nicely to have a good kick returner, obviously good field position. You need that on any offense. But if you give this offense good field position, watch out, which is what we saw last year. So again, no right or wrong answer. If I had to guess today, right now, this second, without seeing him play running back, because he made the move yesterday, and they've had two close practices since then. So no one's really seen anything yet. You know, they, had, they actually had an off day today in a, in a close practice yesterday because, of, I believe, the weather. They moved it indoors for some reason. But, nonetheless, no one's seen him in action yet. I'm going to say that he gets cut at the end of the year. It's going to be a hard and difficult choice to make, but he will be cut. You can let me know what you think on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Let's move on to the next Chiefs topic out of training camp, is, and that's Keith Reeser. He has an Achilles injury. Seems like it's a torn Achilles. Now, he was carted off the field. They said that about Tariq Hill. He was in the he was in the back. He was in the back of the cart, and he was hurt and injured. And uh, really, if you if you go back and listen, obviously we don't have the rights to play that right right now on this show. But if you go find the clip of Andy Reid talking about this injury, it tells you all you need to know. In a position that's so shallow as cornerback is for the Chiefs, a position that doesn't have the talent for the Chiefs as cornerback doesn't. Andy Reid's conversation on this tells you all you need to know. He didn't say it outright, but if you read between the lines, if you listen between the lines, you can hear, you can almost hear him saying, I don't care. It sucks. He's hurt. This will not make or break this team. And I, and I agree with that. If that's what Andy Reid was trying to convey to the media, I believe in that. I think a lot of people fell in love with him after his AFL standout season. Obviously, you never want someone to get hurt, ever. But there has been a little bit of overreacting from Chiefs fans. I feel bad for the kid. 
well, I mean, I'm younger than him, but I feel bad for the guy. He tore his Achilles after having a great AFL season and trying to, to get right you know, in the NFL, trying to get on track in the NFL, trying to make a name for himself in the NFL. That sucks. He'll have to wait a, a another year, maybe even more, on a grueling rehabbing process if he so chooses to, and still won't have the job security. But Keith Reeser isn't the difference in an elite defense and a good defense, in a good defense and, a, and an average defense, in an average defense and a below average defense. He's the difference between a below average defense and a terrible defense. And I think that the Chiefs have already cleared that with the moves that they've made. I don't think Keith Reeser will have that much of an impact on the Chiefs if he played or if he didn't play. And obviously now he won't play. So some people were freaking out about this move. Again, that was the vocal minority, but you know we're still in July. We haven't yet had football games yet to talk about. So this is kind of the content that there is. Some people overreacted to this. It, it sucks for the guy. It's terrible. You don't wish injury. It also is not going to sink the Chiefs that they don't have Keith Reeser. We're not going to look back to this day um, in December and say, man, this season would be totally different if they had Keith, Keith Reeser. So that's what I got on that injury. A couple more players banged up. Jordan Lucas and Damian Williamson. Uh, Williamson. Damian Williams has a pulled hamstring both of them do. Uh, nursing hamstring injuries, no big deal, I don't think. I think that this is kind of precautionary. I, for some reason, Jordan Lucas gets lost in the shuffle, You know, even not, not just by the fans, not just by the media, even by the chief coaching staff. Because if you listen to Spag's talk or Andy Reid talk, they kind of always forget to mention him you know, in their conversations about that defense. I think Jordan Lucas is a great player. I mean... Obviously not great in the sense of elite, but I, I don't think he's a bad player. Like, like people are, some people are trying to make it out to be or, or even just forgetting about him. I think he's a good football player. I think he can make an impact on this team. I've talked all, all show about that, that position group, that secondary being weak. I think Jordan Lucas can help. I think he's better than Keith Reeser, and we had a total meltdown over Keith Reeser going down on Chiefs Twitter. I think this is precautionary. I don't think that this um, will really hinder him from making the team or not or, or, or trying to prove he belongs on this team or not. Obviously, with hamstring for both of these guys, Damian and Jordan Lucas, you worry about it lingering into the season. You worry about it lingering all season. But again, just like the Bruce Quad, if this heals properly, if this is just precautionary and not a true injury, then it's fine. Jordan Lucas is a good football player, and I think that this preseason, as long as he gets to play, you know, with with you know, if he's healthy, with no hamstring injury, we'll be reminded of that. Because last preseason we were like praising Jordan Lucas, and some of us were wondering why he didn't get get many snaps, you know, in the in the regular season. So I think that we're going to get back on the uh, Lucas locomotive. I believe is, is what. Chiefs fans called it last uh, preseason on, on Twitter. He's a good football player, man. I mean, he's really good, uh, in my opinion. Um, Mitchell Schwartz has uh, back spasms. Again, it's a training camp injury for a veteran. You know, I'm sure that it hurts. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but I'm, I'm just saying 
I think that the veteran or offensive lineman gets away with it. He doesn't need to be on that field. He's the best tackle in football, one of the best tackles in football. He doesn't need to go up against Frank Clark every day. He knows what he's doing. He knows what it's like to block for Mahomes. He had back spasms, so he's going to take it extremely, extremely uh, cautious. And that's what this training staff's going to do with him. And that's what he's going to do with himself. So, again, all of these injuries, none of them concern me yet. None of them. Besides Keith Reeser's Achilles, none of them are going, to, are going to affect week one, I don't think. As of right now on Thursday at 2 o'clock, I don't think that any of these injuries are going to affect week one against the Jaguars. One more note of, you know, kind of non-consequences that Michael Hardman is fast. And everyone knew that whenever he got drafted, but he's not, he's not track fast in the sense of that's all he can do is run straight. He's football fast. Like he can, he can do some of the things Tyreek Hill can do. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of not just a speedster. He's a crisp route runner. You know, just looking at, at some of the uh, some of the videos that the, that um, has been posted out there from training camp, he excites me a little bit. Miko Hardman does, um, he, and he has the protection. It's kind of like a hitter in baseball. Whenever whenever you have the protection around you in that lineup, you know, if you think about this, let's let's think of let's think of a defense right now. Any defense in your head that you want that the Chiefs play this year. The first guy they're going to key on is Tyreek Hill. I think that he's the first guy in every scouting report is Tyreek Hill. So Jalen Ramsey on week one is going to be on Tyreek Hill. The second guy you're going to be on is Travis Kelsey. Probably going to be a linebacker on Travis Kelsey. You know, one of the best linebackers on Travis Kelsey. On, on whatever team you play. The third guy is going to be Sammy Watkins as long as he's, he's healthy. You've got to check Damian Williams, I and mean, you can't forget about him, especially uh, not in, in this league where you can run the draw so effectively, run, uh, run pass options so effectively. So that leaves Mecole Hardman after all those guys. Your de- the defense has to worry about all those guys I just mentioned before they think about Mecole Hardman, who has electric speed, great route runner, great hands. That adds up to a dangerous football player. Then you have Patrick Mahomes, who can get him the football, who can literally look off the defense. It's going to be fun to watch this offense, and Mecole Hardman is going to be a part of that. He's not a gimmick. I don't know if many people thought that because, honestly, this offseason has not been about Mecole Hardman or any draft pick that the Chiefs made. It's been about Terry Kill. So we haven't really had a chance to talk about the draft picks very much on Chiefs Twitter collectively or on this podcast, but he's going to be fun to watch in this offense. I really believe that. Um, going back to, to Mahomes and, and Tyreek Kill, I mentioned it whenever we talked about his injury. They've been working out all offseason, and you know Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride uh, mentioned, I believe he was the first one I saw mention it, the fact that the, the, the connection between those two, Mahomes and Hill, Looks better than ever. Obviously, ever is last year because that's when the two played together in games. But that's that's kind of deadly. If if those two can get even better at reading each other's minds and and knowing where the other person is going to be uh, in the sense of you know where's Mahomes' football going to be whenever it's delivered on this route, 
when is Target Kill going to break on this route? That's kind of the, the part of knowing where each other are going to be. Um, so that's just kind of an interesting note from, from training camp. Again, not too much content. They just started hitting this week. Um, and then, again, you don't have very many uh, injuries in the sense of meaningful, you know, impactful injuries that kind of worry you. Uh, and they haven't played a game yet, and they haven't had that much footage out of training camp. Um, Sammy Watkins, though, has said this entire offseason and you know this training camp that he had the best offseason of his life. I believe he worked with, with Tarek Kill's trainer this offseason. I believe I read that. Um, I can check that source and put it in the corresponding article at Arrowhead Pride, excuse me, at arrowheadaddict.com. Um, but if Sammy Watkins had the best offseason and he can stay healthy, that, now those are two big ifs, uh, more so the injuries, the if. You know, if you look at Sammy Watkins and, and by all accounts at training camp, it looks like he has worked very hard and that he has had the best offseason of his, of his career. Um, if he can stay healthy, which is an extremely big if, then there's no limit to this offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, Sammy Watkins, he's been riddled with injuries his whole NFL career. And I just think that if he can finally get over that hump and be healthy, that just give the Chiefs a Super Bowl now. Again, sorry about that. Now, I, I say that to say this. For the first time in my life, and I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans' life, honestly, the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites. The media is going to find ways to make things interesting, pick other teams. You're, you're going to see the Saints. You're going to see the Patriots for some reason just because of the Patriots, and that's so lazy to, to pick them just because of their name, the Patriots. They're not a good – they're not – a, a contender on paper right now. They've got to prove it, just like everyone else. The Chiefs have the most talented football team in the National Football League. We'll, well, again, next week, we're going to get into the whole um, roster and break it all down. They're the best offense in football, and their moves on defense made them from the worst defense in football to at least mediocre. And with this offense, mediocre is going to be good enough. So, get excited about this season. I mean, it's going to be extremely fun. Um, Patrick Mahomes is throwing behind-the-back passes and and working on his left-handed pass after practice. Um, but behind-the-back passes, by the way, we're never going to see that in the game. If we see Mahomes throw behind-the-back pass, you you can tweet me and I'll, and I'll do whatever you say. Come up with the punishment for me saying that he'll never do it because why would I doubt Mahomes at this point? But if Mahomes was a behind-the-back pass, I'll be shocked. It's not going to happen. That's extremely difficult to do uh, in live game and in pads. This isn't just you and your buddies running out to the front yard in T-shirts and shorts. It's hard to get your arm to that angle to throw it behind the back in pads. It's, it's funny to talk about. It's funny to think about whenever you see him do it uh, in training camp. But it's, it's never going to happen. It's just not. So... Let's talk more about the NFL as a whole, particularly about running backs in the NFL because Melvin Gordon has requested a trade from the Chargers. Melvin Gordon, of course, is their elite running back, if you want to call him elite. I mean, personally, I don't think he's elite status. I think he's a really good running back. I don't think he's elite. I think he's replaceable. I think that the Chargers are doing the right thing and not wanting to break the bank for him. 
However, he is not replaceable in July. If this conversation happened in January or February, and you had the entire offseason to, to correct this, he's very much replaceable. But in July, barring a trade you know, you know, for some other disgruntled running back, which I don't think will happen, they cannot improve that position. Does that mean they should break the, break the bank and, and do something silly long term? No, I don't think so. But it does put them in a tough spot because the Chargers are a good football team. They can challenge the Chiefs, who I just said are the best team in football, who I just said are Super Bowl favorites. They can challenge the Chiefs for the division. And every blow to that offense hurts, especially with an aging quarterback who's going to need a running game. They cannot fix that running back room in July if they trade him. Those draft picks that they get for him, whatever they get for him, is not going to fix that room. It's not going to be an upgrade from him. And they're in a win-now window. So he has all the leverage here. The Chargers want to win. They don't want to pay him. I believe that while he won't be at elite status, he can also dictate wins and losses. He's, he's, he's good enough to do that sometimes. He's good enough to try to help control the game uh, from a clock standpoint and from a scoreboard standpoint, just helping you know get two wins. You need a good running back. If they lost Melvin Gordon, it wouldn't sink them in the sense of it, them not being a good team. I don't think that they'd challenge for the division, though. Again, barring the trade, whatever they get back. I don't, I don't think without Melvin Gordon that they'll fight for the division. I think that they're going to be the, the for-sure wildcard spot, though. There's always one for-sure wildcard and then one that backs in. I, I don't see them competing for the AFC West without Melvin Gordon. Um, we'll see, though. Again, that's just an interesting thing to monitor as we go along this offseason is how that all shakes out. And does he hold out into the regular season? Does he do that? We saw Le'Veon Bell last year sit out an entire year, and Melvin Gordon's not good enough to do that. He's just not. He's not good enough to, to, to matter in that sense, to be able to sit out an entire year. But he can sit out for a couple games. And the Chargers start out against the Colts on week one, and then they go to Detroit, and then they play the Texans. I think three is the limit for Melvin Gordon, that he'll hold out for at most three games, I don't even think he'll hold out for one regular season game. But if he if he even does just one, they play the Colts. The Colts are a good football team. They're a really good football team. And that could be the difference in a win and a loss against the Colts. And that one loss in the NFL, whenever there's only 16 weeks, could be the difference in winning the division and losing it. So this is a big deal for the Chiefs fans. For, for Chiefs fans and for the Chiefs organization, this is a big deal. This is a big story to monitor. Uh, so I want to bring your attention to that and to keep an eye on it. Ezekiel Elliott and the Cowboys are also at a standoff, and Jerry Jones is making a fool of himself like he always does. Uh, he's saying that you don't need a rushing title to win a Super Bowl, uh, that he doesn't, that he can't pay Cooper, Dak, and, and Zeke huge deals. Let's just address that right now, the, the comment on uh, for Jerry Jones, both of them. First of all, it's true you don't need, in general, you don't need a rushing champion 
to win a Super Bowl. You don't. Plenty of teams have done it without a rushing champion. However, this team, this Cowboys team, does need a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl. If they want to get to the Super Bowl, if they want to win the Super Bowl, which Jerry Jones is claiming that they do, they need Ezekiel Elliott. Because of the fact their quarterback's not any good. Dak is awful. He's awful. Ezekiel Elliott makes Dak mediocre. He brings Dak up from awful to mediocre, which is a big improvement. It might not sound like it, but awful to mediocre is a huge improvement, and that's what Zeke can do. You spend a fourth overall pick on Ezekiel Elliott when you could have had Jalen Ramsey. You could have had a lot of guys in that draft. And now you don't want to pay him. You do, he's right. You can't, you can't pay all three of them. Sorry about hitting the mic. You can't pay all three of them. I don't think you can break the bank for Cooper, Zeke, and Dak, especially not with the way that free agency goes. Some team is going to be desperate. Some team is going to throw a lot of money at those guys if they get to free agency. Except for Dak. Pay Zeke and Cooper. You have a solid offensive line. You have two playmakers. Find another quarterback. This draft is littered with them. You can even take the the route of a late-round quarterback, the way Dak was. You know, a mid-to-late-round quarterback like Dak was. Take Jacob Eason this year. Take a lot of... this, This draft has a lot of quarterbacks in it. A lot. Take one of them. Don't pay Dak. Don't be stupid. That's hard for Jerry Jones to do. Quarterback's a premium position, but Dak is not a premium quarterback. But he wants to get paid like one. And it sounds like the Cowboys are going to pay him like one. He's only mediocre if he has Ezekiel Elliott to fall back on. Not a quality running game. An elite running game with an elite pass catcher out of the backfield, which Ezekiel is both. Pay him, pay Cooper, find a quarterback. Or pay him, pay Cooper, and maybe Dak will say, you know what? I tried. I tried to... To get the big deal, it didn't work out. I'd rather stay in this good situation where I have a good line, a decent wide receiver's room with Gallup, Cooper, uh, and then Zeke. I'd rather stay here than than go somewhere else and try to um, play with a bad team but have a little bit more money. Because I don't think that Dak will get a ton of money in the open market. He'll get a good deal. He'll get a good contract because he's a quarterback. But eventually... This leaping out to sign bad quarterbacks has to stop, or mediocre quarterbacks has to stop. And I think Dak is the guy to stop it, because he can't throw the football very well. He can, he's a decent runner. He's not an explosive runner, though. He's not an RG3 that could have changed the game his rookie year. His rookie year, RG3 could go from 20, the 20-yard 20 line to the 20-yard line just on his legs. He's not Lamar Jackson, who can do the same thing. He can get you 5 yards a pop. He can get you 10 yards a pop, and, and that's going to wear down him and then he can't throw the football. So he's not worth the investment, I don't think. Zeke is. You can, you can say the off-the-field concerns, which is the same thing you can say for Tyreek Hill. And on both fronts, I'll grant you that. On both fronts, I'd be scared to give guaranteed money. On both fronts. But Zeke is more valuable to the Cowboys than Dak is. I'd say he's more valuable than Amari Cooper is. 
So of the three guys Jerry Jones mentioned, the only guy he doesn't want to pay is the most valuable one. And that's just typical Cowboys. So we'll close the show with one more disgruntled veteran out of training camp, and that is Redskins tackle Trent Williams. Now this story is just typical Redskins. Typical Dan Snyder, typical organization of Washington. It's They're a mess. They're a train wreck. They're an embarrassment to football. They're an embarrassment to this league. They're an embarrassment. The Redskins are terrible. They're terrible on the field. They're terrible off the field. They're terrible. What they did to Trent Williams, what that medical staff did to Trent Williams is inexcusable. And I'm, su- I'm truly surprised the league hasn't stepped in. He's available after, he's, you know, he's holding out this training camp. He wants, a, he wants more money. And now he's available on the trade block. And I don't think this is about the money. I think that he just does not want to play for that football team. And it's disguised as wanting more money. He just got a contract extension. Uh, right now, the Patriots are the hottest team on the trail for Trent Williams. Um, this move would only impact the Chiefs if, say, that back injury we talked about with Mitchell Schwartz is, is a lot worse than we thought. Or Eric Fisher goes down. Because even in 2019, as old as Trent Williams is, age-wise, he is an elite tackle in this league. He is a, a, an elite tackle in this league, and you're not going to pay the price it's going to take to get him off the Redskins to play him at guard. And I don't think Eric Fisher can play guard. And you're sure as heck not going to move Mitchell Schwartz because he's, again, an, an elite tackle in his own right. Now, Williams is an upgrade from Eric Fisher, but I don't know if you want to trade a lot of capital to get him to upgrade from, from Eric Fisher, who had a very good year last year. That offensive line in Kansas City is set, but it's just an interesting story to monitor uh, as an NFL fan. If you know, In this podcast, we try to give you a little bit of Chiefs news, you know, a lot of Chiefs news, and so a little bit of AFC West news, a little bit of NFL news. And it just so happened that the NFL news this week came from the NFC East, which is a debacle of a division and just a laughingstock. So that was this week's episode. We talked all about training camp from, from St. Joe and around the NFL. Again, football is back tonight. It starts the Hall of Fame game. The Broncos and Falcons kick it off on NBC. I believe it's on NBC. Who cares? The Chiefs play next Saturday. You're going to have a podcast next week talking about the entire roster as it sits right now. Uh, We're going to have a a podcast next week on the entire roster, the positional battles to watch for heading into the preseason in these next uh, four games to see who's going to make the team, who's going to win what spot, uh, our predictions on that, our predictions on the final 53-man roster. Uh, Hopefully Grant Tuttle will be back next week. It's looking like he finally will be back next week. Um, so that'll be fun. That'll be good. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And uh, you can always, always, always go to arrowheadaddict.com and always hit us up there. Read all the great articles there. Again, Matt Connor and the gang do a great job uh, pumping out Chiefs content. Chiefs articles, informative articles, fun articles, insightful articles, just great, great content there. 
This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. It's a part of the Fansided Podcasting Network. Be good and be good to one another. This has been Ryland Styles on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. See you next week, folks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.